What's up, ladies and gents? Welcome to the Elk Hunt Podcast. I'm your host, Cody Rich. And if you're new here, this podcast feed is a place for all of the elk hunting interviews that I've done over the last six or seven years. Some are Wapiti Wednesdays, some are from my original podcast. But I wanted to compile the largest collection of elk hunting knowledge and interviews ever put together, which is pretty cool. And I would love your guys' help getting it out there to the world. So if you could do me a huge favor, uh, this is a new feed. So go leave it a five-star review and maybe tell a friend about it. But thank you so much for tuning in and I hope you guys enjoy this elk hunting podcast. All right, buddy. Welcome to the podcast. How are we doing? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. You know, you were on the podcast like uh, you were probably the top contender there for the first like three years and then you just stop answering my phone calls you oh, whatever <laughs> you just got too cool no more no more invites to the show so. <laughs> whatever i i please I, I i deny that at all costs i think you just don't answer my calls anymore <laughs> yeah whatever <laughs> uh, so congrats you freaking pulled apparently a great elk tag uh That's and an expo tag. yeah and, i'm uh, catching the hate for that so, <laughs> are you getting some kickback <laughs> oh i had some people send me some links to some Facebook or so not facebook some internet crap you know it's like yeah. they give this to influencers or whatever yeah. I, like i'm not really sure what i am but <laughs> i tell you this nobody at the expo that runs the expo has any clue who i am so <laughs> it's pretty funny that that's right. what they think there's a bunch of things that like all oh, the influencers get tags or something like that yeah because yeah. the Remy won one um and so did uh, eric chesser oh really yep but oh, Remy, Remy Remy won like uh i seen i, I was reading some of the stuff online and it says well, if that's the payment they're giving to Remy, that's, I'd be pretty pissed because that's not a very good tag. Some <laughs> some archery tag and some antelope unit that's not worth a crap. So, yeah. But, yeah. but uh, Chesser won a really good tag, and, and I did win a real – I mean, a lot of guys say the best tag in the state of Utah. So, Man, so, uh, are you stoked or what? Oh, I'm pretty excited, yeah. Are you a little bit nervous? Like, no pressure now. <laughs> oh, man, I don't know. It's – so – Full disclosure, this isn't the first elk tag I've won at the expo. Um, <laughs> I won one in 2009. Uh, and then I had no pressure then because I, I don't know, it was my first, like, I'd been on one out-of-state elk hunt before that. And then I went on that hunt and it was phenomenal. It was amazing. Um, yeah, I'm feeling the pressure a little bit on this one, but uh, more pressure for myself. I drew a really really great Wyoming elk tag last year. Um, oh, that's right. I want to talk about that too. And went over there with the intentions of killing a big bull or nothing. You know, I burned 13 points and I ended up not killing a bull. So, uh, I don't want to do that again this year. So, <laughs> so do you think like, that, well, what's harder eating a 13 point tag or eating an expo tag? Oh, 13 point tag is right. way harder. <laughs> Cause like the expo tag is a gimme. You're like, yeah, it's yeah a like, like most people, Honestly, you'll be lucky in their lifetime to hunt Utah once, maybe twice. Right. I mean, for elk. I won an expo tag in 2009. I drew a tag I shouldn't have drew in 2018 with nine points. And then now I've got this one. So it's just like, this is just gravy. Like, I mean, yeah, I hope I kill a huge bull. But uh, last year was, I guarantee you're going to hurt way worse last year if I not killing one than this year will. So yeah, dude. I okay. Let's. I want to talk about. I had a bunch of stuff I want to talk about, but I want. Let's talk about the Wyoming hunt, and then we're going to circle back and talk about like high pressure tags, um, and kind of the, all that in a nutshell. Because it's interesting to me, like the, as the we talk about point creep, and like as these tags get more and more, you know, the pressure really gets on you, and when you yeah. burn thirteen points. Like it, there's a certain party that feels like you got to like kill the best bull in the unit. And then it's yep. very easy to just strike out doing that. Um, yep. I mean, it's easy to do on any hunt, right? Like you could easily strike out on the best tag in the world. And I think people often assume that just because you spent 13 or 10 or even five points on a tag that like automatically that entitles you to, to uh, more bulls or bigger bulls or any, any of the, you know, any of those it's like it doesn't you know it's like it can yep. be a tough hunt yeah and and it was an amazing hunt it's the best elk hunt i've ever been on in my life easily um and i i could have shot i mean of course i could have missed but i could have 
I had opportunities at lots of bulls. Um, I did miss one really nice bull. Uh, I drew my bow on a giant bull, needed one more step. Um, I feel like I had that one. He's 30 yards, had no idea I was there. Snuck in on his herd of like 40 cows in his bull and needed one more step. And I was a full draw. His antlers came out. The point of his shoulder came out. Needed that half a step and the wind, he just got me. Um, <laughs> uh, I, I got in on a, a two bulls fighting at 30 yards and some thick timber that was just absolute mayhem. I mean, and they broke up and the one bull was walking right in front of me. And I just thought, I just thought, you know, he's fighting. He can be paying attention to me Well, I was wrong. He busted me. Uh, <sighs> but I had lots of opportunities. I had an amazing experience. Um, I, I held out, I held strong, tried to kill a big bull. Um, could have killed even at the end, I could have killed some smaller bulls. It's just not, why I burned 13 points. And I, I left, I don't know if it's a maturity thing, but for the first time I left with an unfilled tag, feeling really fulfilled about the hunt. Right. I mean, it was, it like, was, so I was really happy. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was awesome. So, yeah. but definitely pressure. Like, you know, I write, you know, I write, write a lot of articles and uh, I've got a, like a novel in the notes of my phone. Um, the whole time I wrote, my feelings down that I'm going to write an article about here pretty soon. Exactly what you're saying, like the pressure of drawing a tag with 13 points, you know, and, and the things it does to take the fun away from it. And, you know, and you really, you really reflect on a hunt like that. You've waited 13 years for, I mean, it's, yeah. I mean, I was there for, I think 18 days. Uh, it was a blast. So would you, would you change anything about that? About the hunt? Yeah. Uh, maybe not miss that bull, (laughs) but, but, uh, you know, I think maybe at first, um, I mean, some tactics wise are things I would have changed if I could go back now. Right. Right. I mean, I mean, mean, there's always going to be the case of like, once you know a unit, you're there's, you'd hunt it a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. But no, I mean, it was awesome. I mean, Matt, Matt Elliott, my buddy came with me. My brother was there a lot of the time. Uh, Ben Rodriguez from, uh, Oregon. He also drew the same tag. He was there hunting. I mean, we had a, we had a ball, so I wouldn't change too much. So it was fun. Um, Does it change? Like, I mean, from your perspective, like you draw one of those coveted tags, you go into a hunt with this mindset of like, Oh man, this is it. This is my at bat. Right. Uh, does it change after that hunt? Does it change the, the one or two point hunts, you know, the, the over the counter hunts, do you feel like it, you're like, okay, you got a little more confidence or a little less confidence. Oh no. I mean, I, I, you know, man, like that's all I've done my whole, I've had a few good tags, but I spent my whole life hunting over the counter tags. And, and honestly, I'm, I'm in Wyoming hunting world-class elk hunting. And I'm thinking about what's going on in my over the counter unit in Idaho. <laughs> I mean, I just, I, I, uh, I'm actually kind of, that's the only thing I'm bummed about, about drawing that Utah tag this year. <laughs> yeah. Cause, cause I, now it's like, you spent a year in Wyoming. Now you spend a year in yeah. uh, Utah. You know, you got to give those units like their your you know, due diligence or whatever. Oh yeah. You know, and I'm saying I can't cheat. I got to go. I mean, and I'll spend, you know, over half of the season, over half September in Utah, which I should. I mean, if I'm smart, right. I can hunt Idaho every year, but, but no, I mean, I, I haven't killed an elk in two years. Yeah. And that is something I have not been able to say very often in my life. And, uh, the year before I just had a really bad season, um, <clears throat> could have shot some small bulls, but, but last year, I mean, I, like I said, I left pretty happy. I wasn't, I could have killed a lot of elk. I could have killed it some like 280, 296 points at 15 yards that had no idea I was there. So I probably could have made those shots, but, but uh, no, I'm, I'm, my confidence is still there. I mean, I definitely, I'm feeling the itch to kill a bull pretty bad. <laughs> it's funny because I, uh, so this, well, this year, so 2021 and 2020, I didn't kill an archery bull in either season, which yep. is one of the first times in a very, very long time I've gone two seasons without killing. But a part of that for me was like stepping over this hurdle of feeling the need to kill every single year. It was like, yep, okay, yep. if you want, like, if you want to really chase big bulls, you also can't have this desire to kill a bull every single year. You got to be willing to eat that tag, you know? 
I'm not going to say that that doesn't change this year of like, man, I really need to kill a bull with my bow. Like the target bull size is like reducing and it's like, okay, I really want to, I just want to kill one with my bow, you know, and it's like, you get that itch again. And I think that's pretty natural to ebb and flow, you know, you kill a bunch of bulls and you, you know, year after year. And then you're like, all right, I'm going to try to hold out for a big one. And then you don't kill one. You're like, okay, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. next, next, you know, such and such bulls going down. So yeah. I think that's We're just evolving. Natural. All of us are evolving as, you know, and it's just depending on your hunting, how much hunting you've done and your level of experience. And, yeah. you know, I'm like, I'm ready to kill a bull, but same, I'm going to go to you. Obviously I'm not going to go shoot a dink in Utah. So, so. right. Well, it's funny. Cause someone was asking, one of the patrons was asking me, is like, um, would it be better to hunt a spike unit, uh, in Utah or, you know, where there's lots of elk or would you, would it be better to, you know, try to doing any bull unit. And I was like, I hands down think you should hunt spike units because it's going to give you more at bats. And like in the early years, that's what you need. You need to like screw this up so many times you need to go, you know, try to kill spikes. But the thing about killing spikes in September is like, you're going to be with the herd. You're following herd. Like it's, it's virtually the same tactics. I mean, there's a little more cow calling with a spike, but like, if you you want to get good at hunting elk, just go hunt herds of elk in areas that are, rich with elk, you know, versus like you're know, getting over the counter, any bull tag and you could go the whole season and get one opportunity. Yeah. I mean, very much in Idaho, opportunity. You know, Idaho and Montana. I mean, you're living for one opportunity. Most guys are, you know, yeah. you, I mean, even like, even me, like as much as I've done my life hunting elk, like I feel like I blow my one opportunity. That might be it. So, yeah. uh, yeah. Well, but, one of the things I want to ask or like one of the things I want to talk about, is and it's kind of come up i've been watching a lot of these posts come up about you know tactic well lampers had some and then somebody else had one about like bulls they killed a long time ago and i was looking at like as i'm reading like the tactics and stuff i'm like i feel like tactics have changed and maybe it's like it's just because i'm hunting montana or whatever but it's like i feel like tactics have changed a little bit from this when we started hunting till now you know you there's just every, the dynamic has changed, right? There's so many more people um, and, you know, calling works or doesn't work, but I'm curious, like, what's your opinion as a guy? Well, I mean, last year in Wyoming, but as a guy who hunts, you know, over the counter units in Idaho, do you feel like a lot of the old tactics that worked, you know, 10, 15 years ago are now like null and void and you have to change up the game? I mean, for, I mean, I, anybody that's hunted that long knows that's the case. I mean, it used to be, I don't know if it was ever easy, but you know, elk don't, <laughs> elk don't act like elk anymore. I mean, elk used to respond to calls, you know, now, like, like you're saying, you get that one opportunity year where a bull's really fired up. Like in 2019, um, I, I hunted a zone in Idaho that I killed the only bull I saw in seven days. Um, but we had called to a lot of elk, you know, um, it was pretty thick and we, we knew there was some elk close and cows and obviously there's bulls, but you know, that one elk acted like an elk, 20 years ago, like he come charged me and I shot him at 10 yards, you know, yeah. but most elk anymore don't act that way. I mean, they don't, they don't respond like they did. Like I probably told you this in the past, but I remember walking up the, I, st- I was old enough to hunt 91. Um, I was 12 and I remember distinctly walking, following my dad up like forest service, like maintain forest service trails in Idaho when I was 12, 13, 14. And we'd be walking in the trail in the morning, listening to bulls bugle and thinking, which one of these elk are we going to change? <laughs> yeah dude i mean and now it's like you got to make them bugle usually i mean they don't bugle on their own a lot they're at least right hunt yeah you know i mean there's yeah, a couple I, days a year they do but most of the time they don't well and that's the so, thing is like they still do but it's like not what it used to be right and no. we talk about the good of days all we want but it's like you know you find an elk that's just so hot you know he forgets all of those uh you know safety alarms that he has in his head to saying you know don't bugle don't talk or whatever yeah, um no. but like most of the season those elk aren't talking or whatever and so it just man it changes but the, and then the flip side of that is i feel like you know there's a lot more elk in open country but man everyone else is now hunting open country too so it's like you almost got to figure out a way to hunt the timber without saying it or without being able to talk you know or like without 
being having to bugle them in. And it's like, man, like just everything has changed so much. And I think about that as like, I haven't been back to archery hunt Idaho in a number of years. Um, and maybe if, if I had the right tag, but I can't get the right tag now, but it's like, you know, if I went back, how would I change my tactics? How would I do it differently? And I, I do think there's a lot of people like, you know, preaching this, you know, bugle, bugle, bugle. And it's like, I don't know if I would do that. Like if I had that tag, I don't think I would. And this is coming from a guy who grew up hunting Roosevelt's on the coast. And that's all we did. It's like, yeah, you know, bugle our faces off. I don't know. I, I definitely feel like I'm a will, way better elk hunter now um, that I, and of course I'm 30 years, I'm elk hunting. You're going to feel like you're a better elk hunter, but oh, for sure. I've just had to, if you wanted to continue to be the guys that are stuck in the old days, 15 years, even 15 years ago, they're not killing very many elk. Yeah. Um, you, you know, like I have some buddies that are just like, Oh, I really don't want to go anymore. You know, can't kill elk. And it's like, well, I'm obviously I haven't killed elk in two years, but last year was my own, my own fault. You know, I, I yeah. could have killed a lot of elk, but, um, and going forward, I, I'll still kill an elk most years. I'm pretty confident of it. Um, but it's just like, I've just, if you want to, you have to adapt. The people aren't going away. Right. I mean, the elk are getting smarter. We, we have dealt with some apex predators that have made the elk smarter also. And it's like, you have to adapt or you have to quit elk hunting and I'm not going <laughs> to quit elk hunting. So it's a, uh, which is a part of the game, man. Like I, I enjoy like, okay, how do I do it different? You know, how do I yeah. figure it out or whatever? Yeah. Like, you know, find the, find the void if you will. Yeah. And I'll stock bulls, I'll call bulls, I'll ambush bulls. I'll sit on water. I don't care how I kill them, <laughs> you know, and I, and I've killed them every, every one of those ways. And so, uh, I don't know. Just keep adapting with the times, I guess. Do you feel like you had to change your tactics when you went to like Wyoming and had that coveted tag? Or is it like, you almost go back to like 10 years ago? Um, they were not coming. Um, that's the one tactic I think I wish I would have done better. So Matt was there with me the first week. Um, and so I had to set designated caller the whole time and we were calling bulls in, but we're calling a lot of bulls. Even with me out in front, we were calling a lot of bulls in. Um, and it was fun. They were screaming their asses off but they were hanging up at 70 80 yards it was pretty thick we couldn't see him and that's after matt left i was on my own um and i kind of knew that i wasn't gonna probably get them to come into my calls close enough and so i was just getting super aggressive and just going and and what i realized is there was so much activity going on so much rutting going on that i could pretty much just move in i mean i i they were bugling like they used to yeah. I didn't have, I didn't have to call. So I finally, when I just started going, I got in on tons of elk. So one of the, one of the tactics that actually came up on the podcast, um, Andrew Yakovic was telling me this and I don't know how I never thought of this, but it's pretty genius is like, he was saying like, you know, being across a Canyon and getting bulls just super fired up, which doesn't happen all the time anymore. Like, it's not like you can, but if you're in the right area, AKA somewhere remote or someone good, like a good, um, draw unit or something like that, you know, getting those bulls so fired up that they're like, you know, you could spend a couple hours getting worked up and then essentially they're just rough fasting on their own. And then you can slip in. I was like, man, that's, that's a really great tactic. Like I've done a lot of the same things, but usually up close, like I'd usually push in, try to get them all worked up and then just shut up and try to like feel yeah, my way one, through there. You one bugle and you're heading across the canyon to get in on them. Yeah. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's, that was definitely, you know, well, I wouldn't even say old me. It's <laughs> like, yeah. you have one bugle and I'm like running over there. Um, but I guess, you know, it's, it's just so hard because like, man, how many, you just don't see rough fast like you used to. Nope. No, they're pretty, uh, you know, every couple of years you get in a really, really good one, you know, but, uh, yeah, it definitely doesn't happen all the time anymore. Yeah. Nowadays, uh, I just like smile and like, just like, okay, I just want to enjoy this. Cause like it's happened so few times in my life that when it does happen, I'm just like, I'm just like, <laughs> it's yeah. almost like I don't even care if I kill one. I'm just like, Oh man, it's happening right now. It's happening. It yeah. happened to me this year, actually, um, uh, just complete rut fest. And I would just like, sitting there. I knew it wasn't, I saw the biggest bull. And I didn't think I was, I mean, it, it maybe it was like on that borderline. And so, and I didn't have a shot at him at that night and these bulls are going absolutely nuts, um, which was super cool. Cause my wife was with me uh, and she was just like sitting at the truck reading a book. Mind you, these elk are like, 
less than 500 yards away from the truck, just all going absolute bonkers. And she's like, she's like, was that you? And I was like, no, I didn't even blow a bugle once. <laughs> she's like, Holy yeah. cow, that was a lot of elk. I was like, yeah, that was sheer chaos. And I just like had to like smile in that moment of like, uh, this doesn't happen very often. Yep. Yeah. It's, it is sure fun when it does anymore. Um, we got in one, uh, the last, I mean, I got in some pretty good ones last year, but in 2018, the last day of the season we got in one and it was just insane. I mean, it was just one of those that I was like, that was like a once in a lifetime experience. It was so good. You know, we didn't kill nothing, but it was awesome. So, so what, what's your, what did you go to or like what went right? What went wrong? Well, that one, the elk were just screaming and moving. So that day the elk were moving in, they were in a big steep Canyon. They were going up over the top out into a, big sagebrush basin that had a water hole in it and basically the elk i know now they were moving away towards that water so the whole night we were chasing them and we literally just couldn't it was just straight up and down we just couldn't keep up and so we finally caught them up on top but by that time they had dropped out into the basin and it was just we couldn't catch them and we couldn't call them back there was so much rutting going on uh i mean you could hear cows and just hundreds of bugles and it was just like why would they come to me? You know, they, they have, they have everything they need right in front of them. So it was, yeah. yeah, I I mean, if I get in a rough ass, like it happened this year. So was it that night? And then the next morning I get on that same rough ass going on and I actually couldn't find them for a little bit in the morning. It took me a second. So it was like 15, 20 minutes after daylight. They were just kind of up over a ridge and I get up in there and it's chaos, you know, bulls are full running and like whatever. I never said anything that morning nope. and I just kind of like slip in until I'd hit a cow and, and it was so damn crunchy. And that was the problem. It was like, it was so dry. I couldn't get anywhere near. Like if I got to 60 yards, there was a cow looking for me. Cause you know, I was making noise and it was like, I would just get to like, 60, 70 yards from the first cow and hope, you know, and hope. Yep. And I just kept doing that. And the problem is like, they're moving away, which I thought they're, you know, I thought I had it to where they're going to move towards me, but they ended up just kind of feeding the other way. And I, I freaking dog these elk for like two and a half miles and I'd get to like 60 yards and then just not ever get a shot. I didn't get to like 60 yards, not ever get a shot. And it was always like, you know, that big bull would just run by, or he just like, wouldn't quite give me the angle or whatever. And I'm just like, so frustrating is if it would have been, in, you know, even just wet ground where it wouldn't have been so loud. I feel like I could have yep. got, you know, that 25 yards closer or maybe just different angle or something, but. And I'm with you. Like, I think that's a perfect, like if the elk are moving away, it's pretty tough. But like, if you can get the rut fest where they're kind of just in one area, I'm the same as you. Like, I'm just, yeah. that's what I started doing in Wyoming last year. Keep moving towards them till you hit an elk, you know, and then move slow as you can, you know, and then. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think it's, that's the best scenario, but if they're moving away, it's pretty tough. So. Yeah. It just depends on the rate, right? Like, cause there's always the gamble. Like, I mean, in theory, like, okay, why don't you just get out and go, go a circle around them and get in front yeah. of them. But these things can like turn on and turn off so fast that you're like, do I risk trying to loop around a half mile? A, you know, what's the wind doing? B, am I going to have time? Um, yeah. And do I even know which direction they're really going? Cause like, yeah. it's yeah. super hard to tell on that. Um, like I wouldn't have got that right if I would have guessed. Um, yeah, I'm but, getting too fat and old to run around now. So. Yeah. Right. So, well, and it's so. like, I do feel like paralleling is probably best, but even if you can kind of be from the back, like you inevitably end up being in the back. I don't care how many pros will tell you like, Oh, circle around or parallel. I'm like, yeah, that's ideal, but we're slow, you know, and it's super hard to keep up. If you're keeping up, generally you're bumping elk. Like if you try to move too fast, like you're going to get picked off. And if they shut up for two minutes and they're still moving, you're hosed. Yeah. They're they're a long ways away in two minutes. Yeah. And then you're like, you can't even hear him anymore. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, I don't know. I'm with you. Like I try to, I just try to stay with them and I've killed a lot of bulls that way. Just try to stay with them and wait for the bull to screw up. Cause he will circle back to the, you know, he'll circle, check every cow and that's when you get your chance, but it just doesn't always happen. Yeah. And it's like, that's where it's like reading the herd is like, if that, that herd looks like they're like, if the cows are moving, like they're just walking, you best be running anyway and like trying to get to the parallel so that if they stop, at least you don't bump, bump into the buck back of them. But if yeah, like yeah. in the case I was in, the cows were just feeding along. They weren't really, 
you know, moving in a hurry or whatever. The, there was three or four bulls that were just running rampant. And like they'd chase a cow here and there. And it sounded like they'd spook a couple of times. I just sit there and, you know, all of a sudden, like you just see a cow chirp and then be feeding again. You know, it's like that when it's chaos, it, you like, you'll think you bumped the elk. You think they just blew out of there. And it's like, nope, that was like one bull chasing one cow. And it just yeah, sounded just like crazy <laughs> forest was falling over. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you just got to read it. Um, but I think it's, it's super tough to kill a bull in a rut fest. Like I, I've, I don't think I've ever successfully arrowed a bull in a rut fest. I've killed a couple satellite bulls in a rut fest, but I've oh, never right. killed the herd lots bull. of opportunities to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've never killed the herd bull in a rut fest. So. Right. Right. Yeah. There's just too many eyeballs usually. So. <sighs> yeah. And it's, it's just, you got to get lucky. I mean, you just kind of basically get to the herd and then hope he passes by. And actually the, the day, uh, that I was in that this last year, I was at full draw and like bull comes running up and, 60 yards and I count like I didn't have my cow call in and it was like you know rook move but I was like I saw him coming and I had the chance to double check range find or grab my cow call and I went to a double check range find and so I ranged it again one more time come to full draw and like I just tried to cow call with my mouth and he ran right through that gap like he didn't even slow down like I don't know if a cow call would have helped that at all but yeah. he was just like you know up over the hill and the other side and I was like dang it <laughs> yep and it falls apart fast too. That's the crazy thing. And you're just left standing there like, Oh, well, how did that happen? You know, you feel like there's no way it's not going to happen at that point. Yeah. And then it's, then it's over. Yeah. And the weirdest part is, is like all that chaos, like one bull chasing a cow will be so loud, but yet the whole herd can like shut up and disappear and not make a peep. And you're like, yep. how did that even happen? <laughs> like, where did they go? Exactly. Yeah. Okay, that scenario, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give you a scenario. So the same scenario, say you're dogging a herd, they're headed back to bed, um, they're making a bunch of noise, and you hear somebody else bugle from on the ridge. What do you do? Man, any, like, probably nothing. I'm probably going to keep doing what I'm doing. Like, <laughs> if, if you go running in there, it's all you're going to do is blow them all out. It's just like, you just got to hope for the best. I, I don't, I don't know, like you hear these guys, well, it's public land. I'm going to run in there. It's like, well, then you're going to scare them. You're not going to get a shot. They're not going to get a shot. Like, right. and you, edu and you educated them. Uh, yeah. I'm probably going to try to keep doing the same thing and hope that the other guy is not an idiot. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, that's the tough part is he's like, you kind of, you got to stick to your game plan. I feel like because altering your game plan and rushing a situation, is just never, I don't know. I feel like it never pans out. I had the same scenario this last year pretty close to that same area where the rut fest was, uh, followed these bulls. Um, and they bedded in a pocket that was just like a wind trap. And I was like, kind of got up on the edge and it was just swirling like crazy. And I was like, okay, let's come around this side and sit up there. My wife was with me actually. And we went up and I was like, I just want to check the wind on this other side and, and see if I can glass down in there, see when they're bedded. Cause I had, a, I knew where they were. There was like basically this drainage came up and had like a three, three forks on the end of it. Right. So I'm like, I'm pretty sure they're on one of those or in one of those, probably on one of those little benches right there. And so we get up there and I'm trying to glass in there, glass in there. It's just ridiculously hot. Wind is swirling like crazy. I heard one bugle down in there, but I couldn't pick them up with my eyes. And I'm like, there's zero chance of me going in there and making this work. Like the wind's really, it's, 80 degrees. It's hot. Like there's no chance. Like we're waiting until this evening. And it was the hard part was, is these elk bedded right next to a road and there's people going up and down this road. And I don't know if the elk knew that or not, but like, they seem to not care. And I was like feeling that, you know, like this is not going to go well. There's too many people to proximity from where this bull is like very, very close. So everyone says you got to go way back in. Like, no, these elk were literally could, could hear trucks going by on the road. They were maybe 150, 200 yards off the road. And so I'm like, okay, let's get up on this ridge. I think they're going to feed back this way. We'll be in front of them and I'll be able to cut them off. I, I still hadn't got a look at this herd bull yet. So a part of me was like, I want to get a look before we just go blowing everything out of there. Um, and sure enough, like 3.30 PM, we get up to our glassing knob and here's a dude coming out and, you know, he comes up to us and he's like, oh yeah, you know, put a stock in there. And, uh, you know, uh, got to like, whatever he said to this, bull and he's a giant and you know got winded and everything blew up and i was like perfect you know like yep. 
Yeah. Like I, I'm like, and then I was kicking myself. Cause like, man, maybe I should have like just forced it. I should have forced it. I knew the rud was there, but I'm like, no, like, because every time I, if I would have forced it, I would have been the blown to blow it out, you know? And so like, either way, it was kind of the result was going to be the same. Like I might as well, like, cross my fingers and hope. And that's super hard to do in elk hunting is to cross your fingers and hope that no one sees them or no one goes in there or whatever, uh, or they don't bump them. Because I feel like if you just rush the situation and make bad choices, I feel like nine times out of 10, that doesn't pan out in your favor. Yeah. I do think that's one thing I screw up on is a lot of times, like used to be able to, you know, if, if the conditions got bad midday, you could just back off and hunt them in the evening and now, or, or you can wait and hunt them tomorrow. And there's just a lot of people. And a lot of times I don't think it, uh, like you said, somebody goes in and blows them out, but it's still, it's just like, I just can't force myself, you know, cause I know guys that like, and good elk hunters, you know, guys are like, if they're bugling, I'm going no matter what, cause somebody else is going to. And I just, I guess I just haven't got to a point. Like I feel like my opportunity is going to come and, I do myself no favors if I want to continue hunting these elk running in there and blowing them out, but somebody else is going to more than likely. So it's one of those deals. You just got to, I guess you're probably like in your situation, 150 yards off the road. Yeah. He probably should have went. I mean, it's easy to say now, but, but uh, you know, but if you're three miles in and you know, it's like, ah, I probably don't need to force this. You know, I mean, somebody might come in here, but, you know, there's probably a 50 chance somebody won't come in here. So it's just one of those deals. You got to, each situation is different and, and yeah. it, it's, it's hard to that's, know the answer. Dude, that's so. where experience comes in now. And I, I, I'll say this as a fairly experienced outcome. It's like, I'll bounce back and forth on the coulda, shoulda, woulda. So I don't think that you ever get it figured out. Cause like one day I'll be like, God, I should have went like I knew it. I, you know, like someone screwed it up. I should have went. And then the next day I'll be all over rush a situation. Yeah. I was like, God, I should have waited. So yep. it's like, you know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't like, you know, trying to play that happy balance. I tend you can't to hunt scared. You can't hunt scared in the actual situation. I guess no. that's my, that's my, like when you're actually in the process of trying to kill that elk, I mean, I guess getting, getting to go in because you feel like somebody's going to come in, but when you're actually in the process of stalking an elk or trying to call an elk and you can't hunt scared that somebody right. else is going to come in or you're just going to screw it up. Right. Like once you commit, you got to commit. Yep. Do you feel I like, mean, you just, do you feel like your um, aggressiveness changed on a 13 point unit or on like a coveted tag? Because I know for me, when I, like uh, this would be especially true if I find a giant, right? I find a giant and I'll almost every time be far more passive than if I was hunting a 276 point um, in Idaho or Oregon, man, if I was in Idaho or Oregon, I would just like full tilt. Like I don't care if I blow this out cause it doesn't really matter. And like, just super aggressive. And I probably end up killing that bull for that reason, but it's so yeah. hard for me when I find like a 340 or a 350 bull and I'm like, ah, oh, let's just wait till he's in the right spot, the right thing. And then, you know, it never pans out. Uh, and you're like, ah, oh, you're just trying to be too patient. I feel like, do you feel like you're that way with uh, those coveted tags? I don't think so. I, I just feel like, I feel like aggressive elk hunting is like you said, you have to read the herd, but generally you can err on the side of aggressive with elk more than you can with other species. In my opinion, you know, they're just, they make a lot of noise. They're big. They're, you know, it's like you can get away with a lot more. And I learn that more every year, just like I know you do and other guys yeah. do like you can get away with a lot. And yeah. so, uh, but I've rarely in my life, to be honest, as much elk as I've hunted, many elk have I hunted. Um, I've rarely hunted a bull, you know what I mean? So yeah. it's like, it's not like I, you know, I found a bull that like, I guess if in that situation, like say I go to Utah this year and I find a 380 bull and I feel like there's nobody else there. Yeah. I'm probably going to make sure it's right. You know, but yeah. I usually am pretty aggressive. I mean, I'm going to move, <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to move on them. I mean, like I said, same, same to a point, not aggressive because I'm worried somebody else is going to come in there just because that's the way I hunt elk. Um, I, I just think you're, I think a lot of guys don't kill elk because they're not aggressive. I would say that's the number one factor why they don't kill elk. I would a hundred percent agree with that. Like you'd be amazed at what you can get away with. And yeah. especially in like the red zone, when you're like right in the pocket and you got to force it, like 
I've been at full draw, like full visibility, walked and just stepped out in front of elk and be like, I yep. hope I get away with this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, you know, just like you got it, you got to know when, like, okay, this this is all about to blow up. And I feel yep. like you hunt enough elk and you're like, you get this feeling of like, Oh, this is about to go sideways. <laughs> yeah. I've killed a couple, like I call a lot of elk to myself, uh, yeah. probably more than I have a caller. And so I I've learned as I've got older, like if I have a bull, like say coming straight at me, like a lot of them do, I don't like frontal shots personally. It's just, it's just my opinion. I have no problem with it. It's just, I like to shoot broadside elk. Um, and so a lot of time there'll be an elk walking right at you in the wide open. And like the one bull, my buddy, Josh was actually filmed that bull. I shot two years ago with the one, the only bull we saw in seven days. He was like, he said the whole time he's losing his mind because this bull is walking across the meadow coming straight to us at, and I watched him from a hundred yards to 15 before I drew my bow. And he's like, he's like, well, I was like, when are you going to draw? And the one thing I've kind of learned that, I guess a lot of people haven't talked about is if I'm calling to myself is exactly what you're saying. I wait until they are close enough to draw my bow. Even if I know they're going to see me, if it's open, you know, like if there's not a, if there's not a, uh, a tree for them to walk behind or an obstacle for them to walk behind for me to draw, I wait till they're close enough that when I draw my bow, cause you know how they do, they spook a lot of times yeah. they'll run out and they'll stop. And yeah. so if I do that when they're at 15 yards, and they stop at 30 yards or 40 yards, I'm going to get a shot. Yeah. But if I draw my bow and they're at 40 yards and they stop at 70 yards, you know what I mean? And so I've yep. killed a lot of elk just like, yeah, this could go south, but I'm going to try to draw my bow. And I've killed a lot of elk that way. I yeah. mean, just like full Dude. sand, just draw my bow and they just let me <laughs> shoot them. I, I had a bull. I, I think I probably told you this. I had a bull fall over one time. Oh, really? I called this bull like 500 yards across wide open sagebrush and his cows, all of them came down to me and the cows stopped like a hundred yards and they, they kind of thought something was up. And as they were turning to walk away, I just reached down and grabbed my bugle tube, screamed at him. He turned, he marched right in. It was on a pretty steep incline and he got 20 yards. I drew my bow. He went to whirl and he fell down and rolled completely over end over end and then stopped. And I shot him. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> I called a bull in uh, one time and this, I worked this bull for quite a while. And finally he comes, he was, I could see him a little ways out. So I knew I wasn't going to shoot him. And so then he comes like, I just got real quiet. I went to, I was going to like, Hey, curiosity, kill the cat. This is like either curiosity kills a cat or raking is my go-to for solo moves. And I've never had to shoot a bull frontal. Uh, and I've killed a lot of bull solo. And so my, usually my go-to bugle like just if if i got a bull it's like bugling and going away say it's mid-morning or whatever i'm just gonna copy 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 raise the aggression and then come back to his level just trying to get him to to basically get pissed off so i'm like i'm copying i'm copying and i'll raise the aggression raise the aggression, and try to rake and rake and then as i'm working up to him and sure enough bull comes back he starts raking and i move up i start raking and this is usually i can get a game over here because i can usually be within like 50 or 60 yards and we're both raking he he's like you know trying to size me up or whatever. And that's usually a perfect time to shoot. But then I just went stone silent on him. Cause I knew I wasn't going to shoot him. And he comes in and he, he was like, I don't know, 12 or 15 yards, pretty steep hill above me. And like, I had the camera on selfie mode. I was going to like say something while he was in the screen. And I, I was like, Oh, there's a bull. And like this bull literally shit his pants, like fell over in the rocks above me, which like, I totally flinched. And like, I didn't know what was going on. Cause like this bull just like, he, he, spooked so hard he fell over like at 12 yep. yards but then he stopped at like 25 i could have smoked him every time and yep. it's you know it's like you know coyote hunters always like the coyote's always going to stop at that la on that last ridge and give you one more look if you're ready you know and it's like a bull will do that too like they'll spook you at 20 more yards just to see what you were and i feel like you're 100 right with like you can get away with a little bit more at 15 yards than you can at 50 like more bulls have come in to 50 60 yards and then blown completely out of the country than when you spook them at 15 because at 15 they're like oh my god what was that you know versus like yep. 60 they're on high alert they're looking for you and then they just peel on bolt you'll never see him again yep exactly yeah that's uh that's super interesting um one thing i was gonna say like after i was talking about the the solo hunting like what's your go-to for like solo technique 
I, I'm pretty much the same as you. Like I'll just, you know, if they're, if they're, if they're not doing anything, I'll just kind of cold call until I get them to call. And then, but I'm the same as you. I'll just keep, uh, you know, I, I know you and I have talked about this in the past, but I just kind of read the temperature, you know, check the temperature of the elk, you know, if mm. try to match him, like you said, and then ramp it up a little bit. And if he doesn't like that, then you got to back it back down, you know, but if yeah. he, a lot of times you can all like kind of like a slow roll, you can like slowly work them up. I mean, if you try, I've found, and I know a lot of guys like you said earlier, they just scream, scream, scream. And I mean, it works it, but usually it takes me a while to get to that point. You know, I'll, I try to slowly work them up and just let them get more fired up, more fired up, more fired up. And sometimes that's bugling more. And sometimes that's bugling less. It just depends on the elk. You know, right. it's just guys have to spend time in the woods to learn how to talk to elk. And well, you know, my dad used to teach me this. Uh, there's a steelhead, like when steelhead fishing and, you know, he would say, if you can throw a spinner in the same spot, repeatedly that that steel is going to strike just because he's annoyed with him you. off. Yeah. yeah. Right. Like it's not that he was going to eat it, but like, if you could throw that lure, then same spot, you know, 10 times in a row, he'll strike it just because you, you've put it in front of him. And I, I use that tactic for elk too. It's like, if I can keep up and everything goes well, like I can just dog a bull and dog a bull and dog a bull as long as he'll keep talking. And generally, even if he stops talking and he stays there, like the only the only way it doesn't work is if he stops talking and keeps going. But a lot of times they'll stop talking and stay there and I'll just keep pestering him and assume he's there. And it's like the same thing. I'll just keep pushing him and pushing him and pushing him. And then pretty soon, like he's going to come back. Like he's going to get annoyed with me and he's going to come back, you know, yep. like just keep yep. pressuring him. And that doesn't always work because sometimes I just shut up and go away. Right. And they're like, oh, yeah. eh, on to the next one. Yeah. And I'm with you, you know, like, change the cow call, you know, do it, throw a different type of bugle, rake tree, like rake trees is really underrated. People don't use it uh, enough. Like, yeah. man, it gets them. Like if you got a bull inside 50 yards, you rake at him and he can't see you. You can just, you can, if like I watched the bull last year in Wyoming that Matt was behind me and he was raking that bull was losing his mind when he was raking that tree. He'd <laughs> rake more and he'd just stare down there. I mean, he, it, it really fires him up. It's crazy. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And like, you have to understand, um, what's going on. Like if you ever watch an elk while someone else is raking, it tells you a whole lot about elk behavior and the way like they'll like, you have to let curiosity kill the cat. Like if you're, you get to that point, you're pushing, you're pushing, you're pushing and he shuts up. He's like waiting for you. Like he's getting mad, but he's just like, you know, not saying that he's letting you come to him, but if yep. you don't and you sit there and rake and rake and rake and a lot of people make the mistake because they're like, Oh, he's moved on. I got to keep moving forward. But it's like, these elk, man, they could sit there and stare at a leaf for an hour. You know, you ever seen a deer just stare at a leaf like for no yeah. reason forever? Yeah. You know, the elk will just stand there. And I've watched him do it enough now that I'm like, I just always assume if I if a bull shuts up or whatever goes silent on me, I assume he's, he's playing there. the game. Like he's still yep. there. And that almost always pans out. Sometimes it yep. doesn't, or sometimes they go away. But I'm like, if you just play the card that he's there still and he's testing you just keep doing it or go completely silent. Let him let curiosity kill the cat, like go silent. Don't bugle, but then just rake and rake and rake and then stop. And then yeah. don't say anything. And then just rake again. And especially like, if you call a bull in and you can hear him coming and then he hangs up. Yeah. A lot of guys will think like, well, he's gone. It's like, no, usually if that bull comes in and you hear him coming, not always, but a lot of times you'll hear him leave. And if you haven't heard him leave, it's because he's still standing there staring at where you're at. Right. I mean, right. a lot of times that's the case. Yeah. So many times or like they'll go intentionally silent elk, you know, in my opinion, elk are loud or silent for their, when they want to be like, for the most part, they walk around, they're pretty loud creatures. Right. But you know, if a bull's coming in and breaking stuff all the way in, like he's doing that intentionally. The flip yep. side of that is if he comes in dead silent or he comes in and he's like, you hear him coming. And then all of a sudden it gets silent. And then you hear like a twig break over to the right. Like he had, he's you know moving around or whatever. I'm like, he's intentionally being silent. He's testing you. He's trying to figure where you are. You know, maybe he got his ass kicked, maybe whatever, but it's like, he's, he's playing the game. Like it's so yep. I'll be quiet, you know, go dead silent and play the game with him. And it's like curiosity will kill that cat so many times. Cause they just yeah. like, can't take it. Right. Yeah. A lot and of guys be like, Oh, he's gone. And they'll stand up and they'll take off and they yep. go 10 steps that bull. Like then they really know he's gone. Cause he runs 
full well, I feel like, dude, I feel like so many people think that, you know, they watch Primos or they watch Born and Raised and they think the only way out comes in is screaming, you know, screaming its head off and challenge me to go to Missouri. It's like, nah, there's, there's a lot of ways these things pan out. And I feel like, I don't know, anymore, bulls come in silent far more than not. Yep. Yeah, they do. Especially early. Um, mm-hmm. I'm really, really true the first couple of weeks of September. With, with everything the way that it is, uh, pressure wise and all those things, like what's, what would be your go-to tactic if for opening weekend, if you were hunting, you know, over the counter Idaho and not these special tags that you get every single day. I just keep having to draw cause I'm important. <laughs> you're um, popular influencer. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, depend this, this is also dependent on uh, where you're at in your career. Like we talked about earlier now, I'm probably like, I'm shifting to the more, I want to find the bull that I can stock in open country. Like we talked about, mm-hmm. um, 10 years ago, Zach, uh, probably cold calling through likely elk country, trying to call in a decent five point and kill it. Yeah. Uh, because the first weekends are really good time to do that. Yeah. I mean, to, to call in that, you know, which a lot of guys are, and I'm not nothing wrong with it. We're all in different points of our career, you know, but a lot of guys be thrilled to kill a raghorn or a decent five point opening weekend, you know? Yeah. And so uh, me a lot of times. So, but uh, yeah, I, I think that's a really good tactic. Just find likely terrain where there's been, where, you know, there's elk with good elk sign and just cold call waiting for the silent elk, you know, sit longer than you would normally sit while you call uh, not super excited, you know, kind of moderate excitement, some just, cow calls with your diaphragm some you know semi estrus calls on the open read call you know maybe some just like really just two note bugles knowing you just nothing, yeah. nothing big you know um it's a really effective way to kill elk early because it seems like those elk will call you know it's like there's always that bugling open a weekend you know 90 yeah. percent of the years there's that bugling and then they shut down for 10 days once <laughs> they realize people are hunting them so yeah pretty good technique yeah i mean if if i if i was like willing to shoot any five point um yeah i did this for a lot of years but i i would focus on those timber patches you know where the elk are like trying to find trying to locate them at night or whatever like get, just figure out where elk are and then move into those timber patches and throughout i mean from dawn to dusk basically i would just set up and cow call super yep. soft you know and probably spend an hour on each setup yep. if not more and you know just hang out and pretty soon a five point is gonna like yeah. throw up and be like, oh hey maybe six and you point. don't gotta go very far in between either because those no. elk are not gonna come i mean sometimes it will but a lot of them are only gonna come 100 yards couple hundred yards you know so move a couple hundred yards do it again you yeah. know, and, and you can just work surprised. a whole face, like, you know, be like yep. two thirds away down a face and just work some of those canyons. And like, if you can get in, if you see a bunch of elk side, that's, I mean, that should be the cat's man. Like, okay, there's elk living here. Like first opening weekend, not a lot has changed. You know, the cows are going to be where the cows are uh, for the most part. There's areas that obviously they move, but I mean, on the in timbered country where it's like, you know, you'll have elk trails that are like, oh, yep, there's definitely elk here. You know, yep. you'll be able to yep. figure that out. <laughs> and I the agree. other thing is like, when you get away from people, like it doesn't take a lot to get away from you. It doesn't go you know, very far. If you can go super steep, you know, like dropping in some of these nasty holes and these elk will just live on those side hills. Cause once you get in there, you'll realize there's a bunch of benches and stuff, but like you can have yep. some big canyons that are just, you know, not that's what my buddy Josh is like. That's, that's like his motto when he started killing elk. Cause he's like, I could go three or four miles in and I couldn't leave the people behind. I wouldn't get an elk. He said, as soon as I started leaving the truck and climbing straight up 2000 vertical feet or straight down 2000 vertical feet, yeah, you're all by yourself. Yeah. So, and you don't have to go. I mean, technically it's only like a half mile. <laughs> yeah. But it's just straight up. So. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah, dude, that's, yeah, that's where the elk live is anywhere. You have to basically just go sky up or sky down right out of the track. No one's going to. No, no, but I don't know. People are getting pretty ambitious nowadays. So it, it is is. Defi- it's definitely changing. That used to be the case a little more. So I don't know. Do you feel like there's still holes or voids? Man, I, I don't see many. I mean, personally, I don't, uh, you know, it's like, sometimes I feel like I'd be better because I love backpack elk hunting. And I feel like sometimes I feel like there's less people 
day hunting from the pickup than there is backpacking some areas. I mean, guys want to backpack. Um, there's probably still that middle ground. Uh, I, I feel like that's probably shouldn't even say that on a podcast, but uh, <laughs> I think that's probably still that, that in between the horse hunters and the, and the serious backpackers. And then the, you know, the morning day hunters, you know, there's a, there's an area in there, but man, it's getting, yeah, I mean, it's getting people, tough to find. Yeah. I've, that was my specialty for a lot of years was like, well, I mean, I probably, it's funny cause I was backpack hunting before it was cool. And then now that it's cool, like I sold my backpack and got a camper in my truck. It's the greatest thing ever. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I'm not kidding. Like, I do feel like, man, I, in the last two years, the amount of elk that I've seen people driving by is blows my mind. Yeah. It's almost like That's the it. biggest change I've seen is like, I've had to adapt where I'm hunting elk um, because I guess that's another thing too, is like, if you can see elk, you're hunting, you know, cause a lot of country, I, I always, I like glass and country, but I used to hunt a lot of timbered country. And now it's like, if you can see elk, you know, if somebody else is chasing them, you know what I mean? Like if they're, if they're yeah. out in the open. So that is like, I do feel like elk are pretty easy to get close to if you can see them. And so yeah. like that, that is how I've changed. It's like, I'm hunting more moderate terrain or shitty terrain. You know what I mean? That's like, yeah. nobody else wants to hunt. Yeah, no, that's a, I mean, that's a honestly a great tactic. The other, the thing that I've had to mentally block is like the number of camps, trucks and for all that I see, I, get, I would get frustrated and be like, God, there's people everywhere. And then it just dawned on me that they don't have a freaking clue what they're doing. So it doesn't really matter. Now there's times where like, there's some dude bugling his face off you know, and they're like, God damn it. Like you just get scared of the elk away. Yep. But for the most part, like I can't, I won't leave an area if I just see trucks driving on the main road or something, because well, clearly I, they don't know what they're doing. I decided that a couple of years ago, like two years ago, like I had to have a complete mind change. It's like, mm. you cannot worry about all these people. Right. Like you can't change it. It is going to rob you of your enjoyment. Like you, if, if, if you want to do that, and I have buddies that have hunted for a long time with, they literally quit archery elk hunting. Really? They're just like, I ain't doing it no more. It's like, well, I love archery elk hunting. I'm right. not going to quit. And so like, I can't allow these people to rob me of my joy. Like this, I'm the same as you. Like there's going to be people. I feel like I have a leg up on them experience wise and it's not true with everybody but a lot of people it is yeah. and it's just like i have to i just have to go do the best i can and it usually it works yeah I, no i, I mean, mean what are you gonna do like quit uh, no i mean I, honestly I, it's like gotten comical for me like i don't like sound arrogant on the podcast but it's like the amount of people that I see that don't have a clue and I'm like, Oh, stop. Oh, you see anything? No, I haven't seen anything. I'm like, really? Are you sure? <laughs> like, I'm looking over your shoulder at elk right now. Are you, yeah, are you I talked nothing? to a guy, this is no lie. <laughs> Two years ago where I've hunted forever. The spot's like my favorite place on earth. I've hunted there opening weekend. So it was like, it was before Labor Day. It was like the third, second of September. These guys pull in from Virginia and I'm like, holy crap, that's a drive. You know, from Idaho, yeah. from Virginia, Idaho. So they pull in there and we are just, it's like 20 days later, I'd went, I'd went and hunted, I think a different state, came back and these guys are still there. <laughs> and, and I'm like, oh got to give them credit for staying, you know, like yeah. it's rough, it, it's rough country. And like, I was driving through their camp and we had been every day as there, we were an elk. It was, so it, this was two years ago. This was two years ago when I didn't kill an elk. I didn't kill. I just didn't see a bull. I wanted to kill. I could have shot bulls. I just didn't see one. I wanted to kill, but we are an elk every day. And you can definitely see elk every day. If you sit on the road, you can see elk every day. Um, yeah. And we pulled through the camp and, and a guy I happened to know was sitting there talking to this guy from Virginia. And I was like, been seeing any elk? I told I asked my buddy, Bill, you been seeing any elk? I says, I know these guys got to. And this guy's like, no, I, I, I haven't seen an elk. And I'm like, <laughs> he's like, the only elk I've seen is when I drove to town to get some more gas and food <laughs> down in the, down in the private property on the river bottom. And I'm just like, you like, I find that I realize like this dude's serious. Like he hasn't seen an elk in 20 days. And I'm like, that's insane. Like I, if he would have set, all I can figure is he was diving into the timber every morning and staying in there. 
and the same thing in the evening because the, there's a big sagebrush face across from his camp. There's elk on every night and every morning. <laughs> oh, dude, they just have no clue. Just clueless. I was uh, so I went out. Was it opening weekend? Um, maybe it's opening weekend or second weekend of rifle elk. And, uh, like there's a spot cause I took the wife and the kid there. And, like, I was just like, gonna, I don't want to scout out. It was opening weekend. Cause I want to scout out if there was anyone there we were going to go shoot some does. Like I wasn't even really elk hunting, but I was like, oh, I'll drive up this trailhead. Um, and I think I came back the next weekend cause I had, um, uh, my little dirt bike and I was going to bomb mom in there and check some stuff. And, uh, I, I wanted to go in pretty far in the dark, but I was like, you know what? I really want to check this, uh, this, this big open meadow. It overlooks some private, but these elk are coming off. I mean, you can see a long damn ways. And so like I sat there until daylight and sure enough, there was 10 bulls coming off to private, went right up into feeding public. Um, and I was like, they're all pretty small sixes, you know, I was like, whatever, um, nothing, nothing too big in there. And I was like, well, you know, whatever. So I go up to this trailhead and these dudes had been there since opening weekend when I saw them the first weekend. And so I was like park and they're like, Oh, you on our spot. We're leaving today. I was like, Oh, nothing at all. And he's like, we haven't seen a damn elk. We've been here, you know, seven or eight days or whatever. Like I haven't seen an elk. I was like, I just like around the corner, I watched 10 bulls feed off private into public. And I was like, huh? Yeah. So, that's weird. Yeah. <laughs> he's like, nuts. Oh, you know, I think he felt bad. Like, you know, he's like, we hunted this really hard. Like, I don't know why you're going in there. I was like, ah, oh, you know, we'll see. <laughs> yep. Yeah. I hear you. <sighs> yeah. So sometimes it's like, I think people put elk on a pedestal and they make it harder than it needs to be. Yep. Would you agree with that? I agree. Yeah, I agree with that. <laughs> I mean, I mean, it is hard, but there's a lot of parts of it aren't that hard. Just seeing elk and finding elk is not hard. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and sometimes it's as, as simple as like I think these guys, especially when they come out on a out of state hunt, and it's like they just got to go, 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 go. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like you might be better to just sit back and watch today and find some elk. <laughs> right. Three find- miles away, if that's the case, and then go hunt those elk. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, a a good rule of thumb is like, see as much as you can the first day. Like, I don't care if you don't get out of your pickup, if you cover the entire unit, uh, you know, maybe you're better off that way instead of just hiking in everywhere I go, I'll spend the first day or two. If if I've never been in a unit or, uh, I'll spend the first two days. I won't even hike. I'll just drive and fit in glass and, and it goes a long ways, a lot longer than people think they like people like try to be too tough. Like, especially in this new age of, you know, fit elk hunters and we got to do this. It's like, just, it's not always the best to just go running in 10 miles. So if that's what you're after, I guess that's fine. But yeah, well, we, you want to talk about killing elk. You want to talk about some romantic hike in the woods. Um, I think you're hundred percent right. And I think, you know, our, the thing we try the hardest to improve or be good at or whatever can also be our Achilles heel, right? Like if you're fitness, you're like, Oh God, I'm going to be in the best shape of my damn life. I'm going to hike over them damn mountain. And then you get out there and like, you just run around and you're hiking too much. Like you, you can't cover half the ground on your feet. I don't care how tough you are as I can in my pickup, you know, driving around and like, yep. I'm going to see a lot of stuff. I'm going to see where people are, see what the pressure is. I'm probably going to see out. Like I can't think of a time I haven't like been driving around, like there's a herd elk right there. You know, that's uh put that in my mental notebook. You know, you drive around, especially in those prime hours. A lot of guys think it's like insane. To, you know, they should be out in the woods trying to kill an elk, you know, on opening day in the evening. It's like, no, I'd rather cover 15, 15, 20 miles or get like to a glassing point where I can see half the unit. You know, yep. I might be in a different unit and looking across and I might not even be able to tell that there's elk, but I, I'm going to be like, Hey, I'm going to get up on that knob and I'm going to just look over this entire unit because I'll see these little specks coming out. Like, okay, there's a herd of elk in that basin. There's a herd of elk there or like whatever, you know, just whatever I got to do, like just get a 30,000 foot view. Yep. You're, I agree. 100%. Yep. Howdy, man. Well, um, well, good luck in Utah. Yeah. Hopefully it goes I'm better excited. than Wyoming. Oh, you, it, I hope it's as good as Wyoming and I kill a bull. So, <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, even like you said, even when you don't kill, like getting to just be in those units that are just insane, you know, have an excuse to be there and to be hunting is fun. No, it was, it was so much fun. It was, it was 
the greatest elk experience I've ever had. It was, it was incredible. <laughs> so, uh, if you were just starting out, would you, would you rather have your own tag and be in a crappy unit or would you rather like just piggyback on, you know, and go be a Sherpa on some of those units? Man, I think you could just learn, just learn. If you were an experienced elk hunter, you could learn a lot. Um, yeah. But that being said, not for a long time, like, you know, go on yeah. one of those, learn some stuff and then get a tag and dive in. Says, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's man. a whole lot to be learned when you have yeah. a bow in your hand and you got to yeah. actually kill something. Yeah. And it's just, it's just awesome. I mean, it's just, I'm feel blessed. I live in an elk state with the way everything's changing that I get to still hunt elk every year, <laughs> no matter what. So yeah, we don't get to hunt your state anymore. Yeah. It's uh well, your state's going to be the same. It's all snowballing. Yeah. It's all snow, you know, now Oregon made these changes, you know, um, like I was looking at the odds for Montana, like you, it is the weirdest phenomenon. I, I think it's like go hunt, put an article out. You had less odds of drawing a Montana tag last year with one point than you did with zero points. Oh, really? On the general, if you look at top rep, that's what it shows. <laughs> You're like a 30% okay. chance with zero or with one and like a 70% chance was zero. Some phenomenon happened there. I like, I don't know. I don't understand it, but, uh, it's all snowballing. Uh, uh you know, even general, like Wyoming te- general tags going to take five points and, uh, you know, Montana is going to be an every two or three year deal and Idaho is a whole nother animal. So Colorado yeah, will do the I same mean, thing soon. Yeah. Oh, Colorado's going to be bad too. Yeah. I think, I think the days of hunting two States are, probably gone if not not far away yeah i mean i think there's some years you'll get to but most years like and and because of that we're gonna see guys moving you know more and more guys moving to idaho and montana and wyoming and colorado and then then it's gonna get to a point where the states be like well there's too many resident hunters now so we're gonna have to limit them so yeah i mean i i grew up (laughs) with that like oregon i mean we could when i was in oregon we could still archery hunt but like rifle hunting was like yeah every few five years maybe you know yep. yeah that's just insane yeah uh, it's only gonna get worse yeah well aren't you full of good news <laughs> sad, sad but true i don't know what the, i, don't I know guess what you just gotta do. draw expo tags apparently yeah i mean apparently <laughs> yeah i don't know i was a uh, I was pretty floored when i saw that so yeah, that's cool, man. Uh, it's funny because like that's one of the only I know a lot of people only go to Expo to draw tags, and I was like, uh, uh, my buddy John asked me if I was going to go, and I was like, I don't really want to go. I was like, I don't really have a desire to go down there just for shit odds. <laughs> and then you know, I know a couple of people that drew now, so I'm like, man, maybe I should have went. <laughs> my odds on this tag were one in thirty one hundred forty seven. Yeah, that's insane. Yep. Holy cow. I mean, I could have drew, I mean, that's the, you can draw a desert sheep tag in some state with those, you know, that's the same odds. I mean, it's really, so yeah, one in 3147. So man, lucky guy. No, they just gave it to me because I'm big guy, big, big big deal. So you got that big following. (laughs) All, all 6,000 Instagram followers. (laughs) Uh, All righty, man. Well, good catching up. Good chatting with you. Um, I'll have to do it again, man. All right. Sounds good. Thanks, Cody. All right, guys. Thanks for tuning in to the Elk Hunt Podcast. If you love elk hunting content, tips and tactics, all that jazz, then go leave this podcast a review wherever you listen to podcasts at. Much appreciated. And if you're interested, go check out our Elk Hunt 201 course. It's a four-step system for doubling your success. It's a great resource, and it's going to make you a better hunter. I guarantee that, or we'll refund your money. Uh, If you don't get anything out of it, if you don't get $30 out of it, then we'll definitely refund your money. So go check it out. Link in the show notes.